Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast here from the Manchester Evening News. Pre-season has very much kicked in. The sun is out and there's plenty of transfer deals on the horizon as well. Uh, I'm Dominic Booth, delighted to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst and Tyrone Marshall for this podcast. Um, are we managing to stay cool, chaps, in the sunshine? No, struggling. It is, <laughs> it's, it's, it is, it is too hot. That's, it's a very British thing to complain about the weather, whatever the weather, but it is, it's too hot. It's very stifling. It, it, it feels like pre-season weather. Very much so. It feels like we're on holiday, doesn't it? Um, Manchester United not going abroad, obviously, this summer for pre-season for, for obvious COVID-related reasons, but they did get their pre-season campaign underway with a 2-1 victory at Derby County. An interesting game, I suppose, in some ways. I guess some ways it's not so interesting because it's pre-season and we all know about that. Um, but I'll start with you, Samuel. There was a, a few talking points, at least from the game, not least the um, performance of Facundo Palistri, who got one of the goals. Uh, to Heath Chong getting the other one before he goes on loan to Birmingham. Probably a bit of a surprise to see him play in the first place. But Palistri, Jesse Lingard uh, and a couple of, others, a couple of other players did at least impress in the game. It was in keeping with the inconsequential occasion that it was the the players who shone or scored a surplus to requirements at United for the time being anyway. I don't think Tahith Chong will ever be making a competitive appearance for United again. I suppose because this is that that, that game against Derby was the least important of the pre-season games, it made some sense to give him a run out, but he's going on loan to Birmingham. I'm not too sure why he's not with Birmingham, but they clearly for his development it's better that he stays with United Palestri it was it was the first time I'd watched him in the flesh you probably saw him in the flesh at at least Sports Village at one point or another last season but he looked a very clever player very clinical with the goal that he took very bright Uh, I think one United fan likened him to Steve Koppel which is uh, an interesting comparison to make and a, a real throwback but it was interesting afterwards that Palestri said that he would he'd be keen on staying but Solskjaer told us that he was set for a loan, which I think is sensible given how uh, top-heavy United are in, in the attacking department. And Lingard, I think he could go two years without playing a game and still look as fit and live as he did. On Sunday, he was very bright, very unfortunate with that shot that came off the crossbar. would have been a, a hell of a goal. But I still think even though there is a possible path back into the side for him, realistically, he is going to have to to move on this summer, which would be a wrench for someone who spent three quarters of his life with with Man United. 21 years he's he's been at the club since he joined at the age of seven. But with him, I think it will be a case that when it gets to mid-August and the dressing room is teeming, everyone is fit and available, everyone's vying for a place and United is struggling to get, save a spot for Lingard on, on the subs bench. That's the dosage of reality and the, uh, the the trigger for a player in his position to to seek a move elsewhere. And of course, he's out of contract next year. So although it was a, a very good day for him individually, I, I still don't think it's something for people to get ahead of themselves with uh, from through a United prism. Yeah, maybe a good day for United in terms of generating interest for these players and maybe generating more of a transfer fee uh, in any case. And I know you wrote Samuel after the game and it's interesting, Tyrone United suddenly seem to have a million right-wing options. We factor in Police Street, Ahmad, who is away uh, at the Olympics with the Ivory Coast at the moment. Obviously, Jaden Sancho is the elephant in the room at the moment. It's been that problem for United for a long time, problem position, the right wing. But you can't see them needing to sign another right-winger anytime soon, can you? 
Uh, no, you can't. I mean, if anything, they're, they're probably going to need to sell a right winger at, at some point. Um, you know, they've got, it, once the Sancho's deal's done, they've got a 21-year-old who's among the best right wingers in that age group, a 19-year-old in Greenwood who's probably among the best right wingers in that age group, an 18-year-old in Ahmad who's probably among the best right wingers in his age group, all within three years. And then you throw in Palistri as well. So it is going to be interesting to see how that development goes. Obviously, Greenwood might end up as a, a centre-forward. Soscar did say that's a few years away yet, although then he did play him at centre-forward a week later and obviously he played at centre-forward a bit on, on Sunday, but really struggled to influence the game at all. I mean, you don't read much into pre-season, but he didn't have much luck against um, Jagielka or Davis. Sancho, we know, can, can play on the left as well. He played, a left on, on, he played on the left a lot for Dortmund last year. He played behind a striker a lot for Dortmund last year. So there's flexibility there, but there's also a lot of options and it, it does feel like, you know, some players need alone moved. Palistri and Ahmad's probably the, the interesting one. I mean, I thought it, it's impossible to compare really because Ahmad was playing in, in bigger games last year, but Palistri looked at least as good as Ahmad on current ability, I thought, with his, his cameo at Derby. Obviously, it's a pre-season friendly and you take it with a pinch of salt, but he looked lively and arguably could offer more to influence games off the bench than, than Ahmad. And, and maybe you look at sending Ahmad on loan and, and keeping Palestri, but then you've got the issue of Ahmad's probably the higher rated player and do you want to spend someone you spent £37 million on out on loan and, and risk their development being taken over at another club. So, you know, there, there are a lot of options there. It's difficult to see how they all develop sufficiently at, at United, even with the caveat that, that Sancho could end up on the left and Greenwood could end up through the middle. There's there's an awful lot of options there. And it, it is strange that for so long we've been we've been banging the right wing drum and they've not signed a right winger. And, and now they've signed three under the age of 21 in, in the space of 12 months. And also had Greenwood, who, who looks... To me, his best position is right wing at the moment. I know we talk about him being a, a centre-forward, but I don't think centre-forward week in, week out in the Premier League at the moment would suit him. I think he's best when he's facing goal, when, when he's got the ball and is, is facing up a full-back or cutting inside and facing up a centre-half. I don't think his game at the moment is receiving the ball with his back to play and, and two centre-halves right up against him. I don't think that's you're going to see the best of Mason Greenwood if he gets the ball in, in that situation. I think at the moment you want to get the ball to him and have him facing up a full-back or, or cutting inside to face up a, a centre-half. So there's certainly plenty of options there and I I think we were talking about this on the way home on, on Sunday and I think it's it's likely that you know the the start of the season Sancho will probably start his United career on the left and, and Greenwood on the right with with Cavani through the middle with Rashford's injury and if that sort of trio works and, and Greenwood starts the season in the form he ended last and, and Sancho performs on on the left wing you can see Rashford having a, a struggle to get back in the team when he's fit. Yeah absolutely it's going to be an interesting start to the season for sure the only other I guess talking points, Samuel, from that derby game was the performance of Tom Heaton in goal. Um, the United goalkeeping situation, far from clear, I guess, going into the season. Dean Henderson, we understand, will, will start the season as a first choice, as we may have expected. David De Gea's future um, still a little bit up in the air. Tom Heaton looks more like a number two goalkeeper than a number three goalkeeper to me, especially with Lee Grant in the squad as well. United have got a lot of goalkeepers, is the, is the bottom line, Samuel. Yes, I was impressed with Heaton's agility for that save from Jagielka. The one he made before that was was routine. I think the reason why he got the contact on it that he did, kind of like spooning it away, was because he he wasn't comfortable with uh, keeping hold of it, but he was able to get it away from, from a Derby player. But it was an interesting test for him because he's not played a game for such a long time. I think might have been New Year's Day last year when he did his knee in at Villa and he didn't get a look in at Villa last season because Martinez was a pretty good signing, culpable for a few goals, but has, has been a very good, that's been a very good move for him going from Arsenal to Villa. And 
I think United have been spoilt for, or were spoilt for five years with Sergio Romero. He ticked every box you'd want from a number two. He had the international pedigree, had the experience. He was usually dependable when he came in for David De Gea. It helped them win their last trophy. He played a pivotal role in that. That was as good as you're ever going to get with a number two. So you've got to rein in your expectations when it comes to another number two. And De Gea or Henderson are far too good for that role. But Heaton, although he is, sorry, not 25, 35, 35, he's... I still think that in the short term, he could be a reasonable backup goalkeeper for whoever that number one is. That situation is still wide in uncertainty that there's there's a reason why Henderson is, is has not gone to Penny Hill Park for the training squad that I, I can't say, but there's a reason for it. I mean, it stuck out like a sore thumb. I was a little bit surprised that United decided to put that or confirm that squad uh, just, just for a training camp when a game isn't being played and Henderson was conspicuous by his absence on, on Sunday as well. De Gea is still on holiday because he's on Euros duty, but I suspect we'll see Henderson next week against uh, Brentford or Preston. I think we've got two friendlies next week before that what's shaping up to be anyway, a dress rehearsal match against Everton a week before the Leeds United game. But going off first impressions with Heaton, he certainly looks like he could be up to it as a number two. The the biggest test for a number two is if the first choice keeper gets injured for a prolonged period and and they have to come in. I think you saw it with Tottenham a couple of years ago when Yoris, who I think has been in decline for a few years, but when he went out of the team and Gazaninga came in, you saw how much they missed Yoris because Gazaninga was not good enough to be a number two keeper at Tottenham. So it's become a niche area for a lot of clubs, the, the backup goalkeeper and even the third choice keeper. You had someone as senior as Willy Caballero as, as Chelsea's third choice last season. Liverpool's third choice is Adrian, who five years ago was a pretty dependable Premier League goalkeeper and got international recognition with a Spain call-up. And at the moment, United have got three internationals available um, to them in goal, which is is not too different from from last year with Romero, even though he, he wasn't being used at all. The key is the key thing is getting a, a loan move. I think uh, for for the one of Henderson or De Gea at the moment, it's looking like De Gea because nobody is going to be signing De Gea on a permanent basis this summer. Yeah, those wages could be uh, could be a big sticking point on that. I guess the other, the other major talking point this week, the two the two names that we haven't mentioned yet, which we obviously should do: Tyrone, um, Rafael Varane, and well, we'll, we'll skip Jaden Sancho because we talked about him so much, and we know that deal is going to happen. It will be announced at some point, probably by the time you listen to this podcast. We we hope that it is, it has been announced. It just feels like it's dragging on and on and on and on. And they're even teasing us a little bit further with this uh, announcement. But we know that the deal has been agreed there. But Varane and Kieran Trippier, um, Tyrone, both on United's radar. It looks like some serious moves are being made in this window, and they're making them quite early. Yeah, they are. I think from what we've seen so far, I think it's been a very ambitious window uh, from United. There's yeah, United are, are damned by sort of association of recent windows where they've done deals late they've messed deals up and i think a lot of supporters still expect the worst and you're right that they're having an ambitious window and people would point out they've signed no one but tom heaton yet but the fact is that the sancho deal is all but done and it's just a matter of confirmation they've made very good progress on Varane, and it's worth remembering that none of their rivals have signed anyone apart from liverpool who signed a player on a release clause which is the simplest of deals to do really um so you know i think united are well ahead of all of their rivals 
Sancho will be in the building as soon as he possibly could. The, the delay in the announcement is not really affecting anything because he's on holiday. So it's not like he's he's been spending the last week at, at Borussia Dortmund when he could be in Manchester. It's it's of no real issue, really. Um, I think Varane only returns to Madrid at the end of this week. And again, you know, you, it, the noises are pretty positive that it, it might not be too long before that deal's done. And, and United are certainly making good progress on what could have been a complex deal and, and could have really dragged on to the end of the window. So, you know, I, I think I think they deserve credit for the position they've put themselves in at, what are we, the 20th of July now? Um, having all but wrapped up one, one big deal, who was Solskjaer's top target, having made good progress on signing what would undoubtedly be a world-class centre-half. They seem to know where they want to go to next, whether it's right back or, or central midfield. They they know they've got options there. They've got, what, six weeks still to, to get another significant deal over the line. There's a lot of work to do on, on trimming the squad, but a lot of that is going to happen later in the window. We saw on Sunday, you know, they used 23 players, and only two of those, I would think, would start against uh, Leeds in, in Wambasaka and Greenwood. And they simply need those bodies in at the moment to, to make up training numbers and, and squad numbers because so many players are on holiday. So departures are probably going to happen later in August. But, you know, in terms of incomings, the only the only new face on the player profile section of the website might be Tom Heaton. But I think the situation they're in on, on July the 20th is ahead of most of their rivals. And considering how critical we've all been of United's recent transfer windows, I think they do deserve credit on this occasion for, for the position they've put themselves in. Yeah, it's not often you can say that but with regards to United and a summer window. We're, we're usually left uh, scratching our heads and wondering what's going to come later on. But um, Samuel, I wonder if you could talk us through the, the Trippier deal in particular. It seems like it, it was on the radar. United were interested, seemed to go off the radar for a while among suggestions that Atletico were asking for a, a fair a fair bit of money for him. But he's got ties to the Northwest and... He would be an interesting move for for Aaron Wambasaka and the fullback department at United, anyway. Yeah, my gut feeling on that, having spoken to people who've, who've knowledge of um, that deal, whether it, that could happen, is that it probably will get done because the player wants to join the club, the club want the player. Atletico are going to have to sell him eventually, but it's not one of those deals that was ever going to get done in June or July. I think sometimes supporters they. A little bit detached from reality, which I can understand because they don't work in our industry. Uh, they're fans, they're enthusiastic. They want to see players through the door as, as quickly as possible. The club wants to see them through the door as quickly as possible, but it invariably doesn't work out that way. And this summer, there have been two international tournaments. Players then go on holiday. Each deal has different nuances to it. With, with the Sancho announcement, uh, the delay is believed to be due to something uh, down to the agent. I don't know what exactly, but that's the word. It's it's something regarding the agent and that's what's held up the announcement. We're speaking on Tuesday and United aren't expecting an announcement today on Tuesday, but that announcement is going to happen. And as Tyrone said, when it comes is is immaterial. It's it's gonna happen at some point or another. And by the time it does happen, he'll He'll probably still be on holiday in, in Mykonos or God knows where. With with Trippier, because he's in the last year of his contract and Atletico are going to need the money eventually, that is, that's just a deal that is inevitably going to happen later in the window. I think a lot of people in the industry expect the window to catch fire mid-August time because at that point, clubs are going to get an idea of what they desperately need because you've got the first round of fixtures on the 14th of August. Some clubs are going to have 
negative results, that's inevitable. There are going to be defeats and there are going to be positions in their teams that are going to be exposed at that point. And there'll be pressure from fans to address those issues. You saw it with United seven years ago in Van Gaal's first summer. They had a fantastic pre-season, won all their games, won the ICC Cup. First game of the season, they've got Tyler Blackett, Chris Smalling and Phil Jones in the back three, Jesse Lingard making his debut as a wing-back and they lose 2-1 at home to Swansea. And between that defeat, which was mid-August and the end of the window, they signed four players, two of them, Daley Blind and Radamel Falcao, coming in on deadline day. Another of those players, Angel Di Maria, being a club record signing. So results can definitely have an influence on how clubs go about their their business. They cer- it certainly did more relevantly last year when they lost to Palace. United started stepping up arrangements to get signings in. And what happened was that four players came in on the, the final day of the window. So uh, you know, I think the way we're talking here is very positively about United because they are ahead of the curve. They are making ambitious moves for quality players. Trippier, I wouldn't necessarily file as a priority as such because... One, they do already have a pretty well-established right-back in Wan-Bissaka and the preference would be to get a midfielder in ahead of Trippier. But it's very, very difficult to pinpoint the profile of midfielder they want this summer. Declan Rice will easily be outpriced of a move by West Ham. He's got three years left on his contract. West Ham finished sixth last season. They're in Europe. They're probably not going to have as good a season next season. And so at that point, Rice would have more leverage to leave them next summer and he'd probably be his fee his valuation would be cheaper he's not going to sign a new contract there uh so West Ham have got to got to accept that he's probably going to go next year uh someone like Camavinga I think that some reporters went very hot and heavy with it it went the way it was described to me by someone at United was that it went from naught to 60 uh it, it escalated very very quickly but as people will have noticed the last couple of weeks it's gone very quiet and I'm not surprised by that because again can you really see United signing a 19 year old French international who plays for Rennes going straight into the first team to hold the fort in midfield no but they need someone more more expert than that who that player could be who's attainable at the right price between now and then the window it's very very difficult to identify they will have some names in mind for that but I don't think he'll be Rice and I don't think Kamavinga would necessarily be if he were if he was to come, which I think is, is pretty doubtful. I don't think he'd be that player that goes straight into the first eleven. But if they end the window, and they probably end, will end the window with Varane and Sancho at the very least in their team, in their squad, possibly add Trippier to that or another significant signing. That is a squad that you have to demand a title challenge from. There are statement signings, there are statements of intent. The ambition is is pretty clear. They've got Sancho for a really good price. They're going to get Varane for a really good price. So it's it's actually pretty nice to be speaking positively about United because it, it's easier for us. It, it makes our lives easier if United are doing well and things are positive and optimism is rife. And at the moment, it, it very much is the case. Absolutely, yeah, that would be a very good window that you, you speak of there, Samuel. Tyro, can you understand this sort of impatience and the demanding nature of fans during the window? I mean, United can't send a tweet out at the moment without announcing Sancho, even though it sort of has been announced. I know they want to see him unveil in the United shirt and parade on the pitch, playing the piano or whatever they're going to do with the uh, announcement video. But and there's also a lot of appetite for Varane as well, fans tweeting 
you know they want that Varane deal to get done. You can can you understand that, or is this actually the window where the fans need to go? Actually, our side are having a, a quite a good window here. They're doing the business nice and early. Look at the rivals, as Samuel said. Look at what they're doing or they're not doing, and be happy about it. Or does that just is that just not how it works in the transfer window? No, I think those days are, are dead, mostly with the advent of, of social media. Um, the, the transfer window is a sport in itself now, isn't it? And you've got to win the transfer window for your fans. And we know that as soon as Sancho signs, within five minutes, there'll be, where's Varane? Announce Varane. I'm bored with Sancho. Where's the next one? The, the appetite for, for transfers and new signings is just insatiable. And I think that's the same. I don't think that's just United. I think that's the same at, at every club, really, that the, the transfer window is a sport in itself. And, and t- they want to see, fans want to see teams winning it. And you know, the number of times you see posts in the last sort of 24 hours on, on Varane saying like, you know, people saying, well, just get it done, get it done. How hard is it to get it done? Like they just go into, go speak to his agent. He wants a five-year deal on 500 grand a week. Give it him. Rail wants 60 million. Well, give it them, give it them. Let's just get him in. When he's on holiday anyway, it makes no difference at the moment. And it's just, you know, thank, thankfully, football fans, a lot of football fans must not run their own business because it would be complete, <laughs> complete I think chaos. you need to run their businesses. Financial meltdown. <laughs> to go by. Yeah, this, this is a well, next just, series of The Apprentice, I think, Ty. It's just not business sense, isn't it? And if they do run their own business, they wouldn't negotiate like that. And they know the club wouldn't. And the problem is, if you negotiate one deal like that, then word gets around in football. You'll have to negotiate every deal like that. And United already know that, that their name is, is used in transfers, that, that clubs see them as a cash machine in transfers. So there's got to be a degree of patience. The negotiations go back and forth and, and go on for a long time, as we've seen in deals with with various clubs. And anyone demanding that United just pay Real what they want and give Varane what he wants and then pay Atletico what they want for Trippier, it's just, it's not the real world and it's not how it works. At the end of the day, they're a football club, but they're a business as well. And they can't they can't agree to pay every transfer fee that, that's demanded of them. There, there was people saying, give give Dortmund 120 million euros for Sancho last year in the end United have saved 35 million quid on on that deal by by being sensible over it would Sancho have made a 35 million pound worth of difference last season if he was in the squad probably not so you've got to say United were were sensible and right with that one and I think that's just you know that that's the way football is now there's an insatiable appetite from from fans for transfers and they want to know the next one in through the door and I think that's that's not unique to United fans I think that's the case at, at every club but these things do take time. They are negotiation. And as we've said already, United are ahead of the curve when it comes to their rivals, I would say. So I would say uh, be patient and, and let it let it play out as much as uh, fans are desperate to see players with a scarf above their head. I'm sure that is a message that will be heeded by everybody on Twitter.com. So uh, we don't need to worry about that anymore. Thanks for sorting that tight. Um, I guess the, the, the one thing, Samuel, that you mentioned before, and the picture is a little cloudier and less clear, is on departures from United this summer there's nothing particularly dead dead on happening in terms of a player leaving I know we've got the chum going on loan and Solskjaer said Polistri will be going on loan but in terms of the permanent exits United probably need to need to get done to to free up room in their squad what, what is the latest and and why is this a little more difficult for them to do do you think? Well, I suppose that's the invitation to be more negative about the club because the contracts that they've doled out in recent years is why there's so little movement on on outgoings. But that again, that is a symptom of of this transfer window. And again, because of an two international tournaments, business is always was always going to be slow. I think, you know, idealistically or, or wistfully, we think about back to the 2007 window when Hargreaves, Nanny and Anderson were pretty much done before before June had even 
come around. But that really was an anomaly for for United and, and for most clubs. There aren't many clubs that have conducted business that quickly and that and that well, uh, given that a year later United won the the Premier League and the Champions League. But you just look at you look at the Deadwood. Pereira's got two years left in his contract, and he was abysmal at Derby. Um, I know you can't read much into pre-seasons. It doesn't matter, but he was really, really poor. And there's no room for him at United. He's he's not good enough United. That's been known for quite some time. But he's got two years left in his contract. And who's going to be spending spending transfer, you know, part of the transfer budget to sign him? It's very difficult if to, to determine who that club would be. If that club does you know, put their heads above the parapet, then I don't think United are going to be able to demand too much for him. Lingard's stock is up, so United are entitled to hold out for a fee that reflects his status. But, of course, the response they're going to get from interested clubs is, well, he's only got less than a year left in his contract. You can't expect us to pay that much. So the haggling will go on and on there. With someone like Diogo Dallo, because of the Trippier interest, he's just got to hang tight and... United, I think, would be quite sanguine with the prospect of ending the window with Wambasaka and Dallo as their right backs. Dallo's had a pretty good year. He's improved defensively uh, at AC Milan. I think more importantly, he stayed fit. Uh, his his fitness wasn't an issue at all in Milan. Whereas at United, he arrived with an injury and he, he picked up too many long term injuries after that. But he's he's broken into the Portugal national squad, so he's on the up and up. I think United would be content if nothing happens with Trippier, with with keeping Dallo. Phil Jones is unsellable. He's not played for eighteen months. He's not trained, it seems, for over twelve months. He's on. He's got two years left in his contract. Who the hell is going to give United a fee to take him off off their hands? You just nobody's going to do that. People aren't daft. And this is all without mentioning a pandemic. So money is not just scarce, but people don't want to, clubs don't want to waste it either. So I, I think with Jones, I can't see him moving on unless somehow he gets fit over the next six weeks and they managed to send him out on loan and the buying club paid the majority of his wages. That would be that would be a result for United, but they are effectively going to have to just give him away, I think, at some point or another, like they did with Alexis Sanchez, effectively, to, to Inter Milan last year. So go, going through all those names, ideally United would get rid of them, but the, the contract situations with most of them is so, so prohibitive. And it's the same, I suppose, ironically, that the most recent or one of the most recent con- contract recipients is, is possibly the likeliest to go in, in someone like Eric Bailly, who signed a new contract in April, but it's done absolutely nothing to safeguard his future. A month later, he was talking about the prospects of, of leaving if he didn't play in the Europa League final. The club is open to signing another centre-half after Varane, so that would mean they have absolutely got to sell someone in that area. Axel Tunzibi wants to go out on loan next season. I suppose if Aston Villa or a club offered... £8 million, that might change United's mind about a loan. There are so many variables at play here, but Bailly is a player who, despite signing a new contract, it's one of those cases where a player signs a new contract, but if anything, it pushes him closer towards the exit because he's never going to be a first-teamer at United again. He's He's been a bit part player for quite some time now. And if he stays beyond the window, he will still be a bit part player. So it's whether he's he's comfortable with that with that situation. 
Yeah, lots to be done in that regard. Absolutely. We'll have to see how, how all that pans out in the next month or so. Still a long time left in this window. It's, it's amazing to think that it doesn't end until the, the end of August. But um, we'll keep you abreast of all those um, transfer deals, ins and outs, of course. Uh, and Samuel and Tyrone have the delight of a trip to QPR this Saturday. One of my favourite grounds to, to go and visit, I have to say, uh, as United take on QPR in a pre-season game. Uh, Tyrone, what are you expecting from from the trip? Well, Scott McTominay returned to training this week. They were down in Surrey for this training camp. I guess he may feature. So I'll have to see about whether Henderson features, but it'll probably be another another very young and inexperienced team and a, a, a chance for more fringe players to to get minutes under their belts and, and see if they can impress Solskjaer. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, McTominay and maybe I think is Daniel James back. I think I read on the, the club for the James back. I think so, um, yeah. Yeah, so maybe those two, the, the only real additions to, to that team and a good chance for them to get a run out. But again, I think it's going to be learning more about those those youngsters, really. We're, we're still a few weeks away from sort of having that that Premier League squad ready and, and good to go. And as I said before, probably of the 23 that featured at Derby, I think only two are really even in contention to to play against Leeds. So it is... It's difficult to learn a great deal at the moment if you're if you're Solskjaer, I guess. Um, but it'll be another chance for for youngsters to impress and, and send out a message and, and show that they're comfortable in in those surroundings and comfortable around senior players. Another chance for for Lingard to, to catch the eye, Pereira to try and not spray his first pass twenty yards behind his fullback and straight out of play as he did at Derby. So doing a Renato Sanchez, I think that's that's what. That's <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah, yes. very much so. Not a great start to uh, to preseason. So yeah, there'd be minor minor subplots, but I think this is all just sort of for for the key players that are back. It's it's building up match fitness for the youngsters. It's it's trying to impress, but it does it does kind of feel like it's all building up to to those last three, probably those last two friendlies really, um, when we're going to learn most about how Solskjaer sees this team setting up against Leeds. Absolutely, and we'll again have coverage of that pre-season game and all the transfer dealings on the Manchester Evening News. That's about it for today's podcast. Thank you very much, uh, Samuel and Tyrone, for your company today. Thank, Thank you, Dom. Appreciate it. In unison there, lovely way to end it. And we'll be uh, back for another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast for you again very, very soon. Please leave us a like and a subscribe, uh, and we'll be back again.